Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. I want to say a special welcome to those of you guys who have recently found us through the Charisma Podcast Network. Um, In case you didn't know, we have a new look on our logo and, um, you know, I'm really excited about it. I like how it turned out and you've noticed a little CPN initials on the cover art now and that stands for Charisma Podcast Network. And essentially this summer they reached out to me and, and said, hey, we'd love to partner with you. And I said, let's do it. So our podcast, The Art of Being You, is now hosted on their site as well. It's linked on there and... Uh, They have incredible um, people on their podcasts, uh, just amazing men and women of God. And I'm really, really honored to be on that lineup. So um, I know that some of you guys are listening from that, and that's amazing. I want to say a huge welcome uh, to the Art of Being You family. We are a, a tribe of people, men and women, who really want to become everything God has called us to be. We we kind of go by the philosophy here that the best version of yourself is the one that's the most like Jesus. And so, you know, whether we are the same or not the same is not the point. We all want to be like him. So today we're going to dive into uh, an episode that I hope will be helpful for you. We have been through so much shaking on the earth in the last really almost two years now, but I want to kind of maybe bring a different perspective to what's going on in the world right now. I'm reminded of the old REM song, and then I think it came out in like 1987. It's the end of the world and uh, as we know it, right? And I would play it for you or I would sing it for you, but Um, that would not go well. But essentially, as you know, it says it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. And to be honest with you, I think that sums up how I feel at the moment. I don't feel fine in an indifferent way. I feel really thankful that God is doing what he's doing, but I want us to get clear about what that is. So if you're listening to this in real time, you're listening to this in September of 2021. And as you know, we are on the heels of the gigantic Afghanistan debacle. I I will be honest with you, um, as it was all unfolding, as Kabul fell to the Taliban, I spent about three days really in unbelievable grief. It was actually really hard for me to even talk about what was going on without just crying and um, incredibly disappointing for the believers that are there, for the unbelievers that are there. Man, just a really, really difficult situation. And then, you know, we blink an eye and Hurricane Ida has wreaked havoc all over Louisiana. And we've got wildfires in California. We've got turmoil everywhere you look. And that's not to mention the surge of Delta in COVID. You know, really, for the last two years, you and I have been enduring so much difficulty, so much shaking, that it really does beg the question, is this the end of the world? Is Jesus about to come back? And I was reading something recently. Actually, the truth is I've read lots of different people talking about this is it. Get ready. Jesus is about to return. And it got me thinking about doing an episode um, 
about the end of the world. So let's talk about it. This is not necessarily a theological episode. On our old Bethel OKC podcast, which is the sermon archive spot for our sermons at our previous church, Bethel OKC, we did a several-week series on the book of Revelation. And if you have never done a deep dive study on the book of Revelation, I really want to encourage you to listen to that. It's free. It's available to you wherever you... Well, really, it's mostly on Podbean. Uh, I think it's on Google Play and on Apple Podcasts as well. And uh, you can really get a, a deep synopsis of what the book of Revelation really means. But what I want to say to you is, first and foremost, in the midst of all this shaking that you and I are going through, you need to know your eschatological outlook. That's a big word. Eschatology is the phrase or the word that really means the end times philosophy. Here's the truth. I'm going to tell you a theological secret right now. No one truly knows what's going to happen. No one knows when Jesus is going to come back. Jesus himself does not even know. Nobody knows, only the Father. And so what we do when we come up with an eschatology is we study the word, we, we think about it critically, we allow other um, current and uh, world events, excuse me, historical events, to help us get a gauge for what passages like Revelation and Matthew 23 are really and 24 are really talking about. But at the end of the day, you have to make up your mind for what you believe. And you might believe something different than me. I'm going to tell you what my belief is. And if you want to know how I got to that belief, again, go listen to that series on Revelation on the Bethel OKC podcast. But um, for me personally, I am what we would call a partial preterist. So the word preterist is really, I think, like the Latin word for past. And essentially, there's a couple different viewpoints on Revelation. You may not know this, but uh, one of the viewpoints is that the book of Revelation has actually already come to pass. The prophetic word of what it was actually is already done. It's fulfilled. Some people do believe that. Other people believe nothing in the book of Revelation is fulfilled. These would be futurists, and they are awaiting the time when that would happen. And I'm what you would call a partial preterist. No surprise, I'm a little bit in the middle of both of these camps. There are things in the book of Revelation I personally believe have already happened, specifically in uh, the year 70 AD when Jerusalem fell um, for the second time and the temple was destroyed, not to be rebuilt again. Uh, when that happened, I actually believe a large part of what Revelation was uh, prophesying uh, was fulfilled. I believe that the book of Revelation was actually largely a prophetic word to the believers at that time to make it through the shaking that they went through. And um, that doesn't mean that it cannot be life-giving to you and I today. That doesn't mean it, it's the same as, you know, in the book of Jeremiah, for example, those prophetic words are fulfilled, but you and I can still, um, they can still be alive and active in our life. God can still use those words to do something in us. It's not just a historical book simply because those words were fulfilled, but it's important for us to understand that. So that's one of the things that I believe. I'm a partial preterist. I believe that a lot of that um, book of Revelation was talking about what did actually happen in uh, in Jerusalem in 70 AD. Now, I'm, I'm literally scanning over loads of information to say that to you. So again, go listen to that uh, series if this is intriguing to you or if you have never studied the 
the book of Revelation. The other thing that I do not believe, I unequivocally do not believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. This is just something that's very... um, This is a core conviction to me. I did not have this conviction prior to doing my own deep study of the book of Revelation. I, like probably you, have just heard that Jesus is coming back. He's going to, you know, save us all from all this heartache that's happening. And, 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 you know, we kind of hope for that. And then we've got like the Left Behind series of the 90s that really reinforces this idea that we're going to blink and all of our clothes are going to be empty. and, And those poor people who are left here on earth to endure unbelievable, unimaginable heartache hardship and then they go to hell to get even more unbelievable hardship. That's not what I believe. I personally believe that Jesus is coming back. There's no question about that. But when he comes back, in my opinion, that will be the end. We are not going to be saved from something that other people endure. So again, you can hear more about that. But this is why I bring this up. Wherever you land in your eschatology, you need to understand that that for the believer, life is supposed to get better. That doesn't mean that it's not going to be um, free of hardship, that we're going to have like an easy life. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that Jesus is coming back for a bride that looks like him that can match him, that can be a home for him. And until that happens, he is still hard at work perfecting that bride. Now, I might be surprised. Jesus might be, you know, gathering up his horses and ready to come back any day now. But in my personal opinion, he's not. What he's doing right now is perfecting his bride. He is getting, he is, he is readying the forces of heaven and he is unleashing them on the earth to build his bride into the likeness of himself, into a home for him. Even if you disagree with me on that, I really want to challenge you. The book of Revelation is not a book of doom and gloom. It's not supposed to make you afraid. So if you are feeling afraid of the end, you are misunderstanding something of God. You don't have to agree with my particular outlook, but I do need you to agree with me on this. God is good, and he has a good plan in mind for his people. So when we're looking at the shaking that's happening and we're understanding that this is probably not the shaking that's supposed to rend the heavens and release Jesus back onto the earth for the second coming, then we have to ask ourselves, what is all of this shaking for? I like how Pastor Darren Stott says that right now he's developing a fifth gen model uh, of discipleship. In other words, he's looking five generations down the line. How can we build our kids into the type of people who can have kids that have kids that are really actually walking in the greater things that Jesus prophesied we would be able to have? That's me. I'm right there with him. I believe that what God is doing is raising up men and women of God who can think long term, who aren't so focused on Jesus coming back tomorrow, that they're not actually building systems into place. See, this is what's wrong with this rapture mentality. And I believe personally, I believe it is a deception from the enemy. Now, that doesn't mean that you that I believe you're deceived, I believe where it comes from is a deception. And here's why. When we believe Jesus is about to come back tomorrow, we we abdicate our responsibility. That's where the deception lies. We need to understand Jesus could come back tomorrow. It could be any moment now. But that should put a fire in us to to contend for the people in our life that don't know him. 
If that's not happening in you, then there's something wrong in that picture. Does this make sense? There's something wrong in our picture of the end times if the the urgency of Jesus coming back is not spurring us to go after the people who are, are not going to be there when he does come back. He is coming. I don't want to be misunderstood. But in my opinion, what I'm doing, what I'm doing with my kids, what I'm doing with my life is really thinking long term. And if I'm surprised, no problem. It'll be a good day when that happens. So what is God doing through the shaking? What's he doing in the shaking of America in in the nations of the earth? It's not just America. Every single place is. Well, here's what I think God is doing. Are you ready for this? This might be an oversimplification, but this is what I believe. God is exposing what people actually believe. This is what he's doing with the shaking. He is shaking everything that can be shaken. That's you, that's me, that's our belief system, that's our government systems, that's everything that he did not affix to the earth, right? He's shaking it. Why? So that you and I can see not only what we believe, but what other people believe. This is a big redefining moment for the body of Christ where we actually get to look at our spiritual leaders and decide, are you someone who can take me through this shaking? Are you someone who's trying to pacify and water down the power of God? Are you someone who is trying to dismiss the power of God at work in the earth because of this disappointment or that didn't happen the way you thought it would? Or are you someone who is causing the fire of God to rise up in me? Are you someone who is challenging me to live my all to Jesus, to surrender everything to him? You and I, we're getting an up close and personal look at our spiritual leaders these days. We're getting to see what they believe as they give their comments on things like COVID, on things like the presidency, on things like Afghanistan. We get to see what their core values are. And this is good, people. It's painful, but it is good. It is good to be able to look and see what's going on in our own heart and in the hearts of those around us. Why? Because if we don't have a proper inventory, we cannot properly treat the problem. If you don't know what's really going on in your body, you cannot get a proper diet, like you can't get a proper plan of action to make you healthy and whole. So he is exposing what's going on. He is exposing what people believe, what's going on in the secret places. The other thing I think that's happening right now in the world today is in the last couple of years, we began to see a more strategic pointed prayer from the body of Christ. I'm not saying the body of Christ hasn't been um, good at praying and intercession before. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying globally, the people of God were coming together to pray the same things. The people of God who have large global ministries were mobilizing those ministries to pray specific pointed prayers. And what I believe you and I are seeing to some degree today is the the backlash of the saints of God praying strategic, powerful, unified prayers against the powers of darkness. And here's what the enemy does not want you to know. The enemy cannot allow you to feel confident that your prayers are powerful and effective. James tells us the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Well, guess what? If you are in Christ, you are righteous. It's his righteousness that made you righteous. Therefore, your prayers are powerful and effective. And the enemy knows if you begin to pray 
and you begin to rally people around you to pray, things will happen. That's why he works overtime to undermine your prayers. That's why he works overtime to convince you that your meager prayers are pointless, that they're not affecting anything. Look, what we're seeing on a global scale right now is hell's response to heaven's prayer life. And that should get you excited. You know why? Because the enemy is like a giant peacock. You know, when a peacock spreads its feathers, it's like sometimes six feet tall, something like that. It's very impressive. It takes up a lot of space, but they're feathers. Feathers can't hurt you. Feathers can't withhold you. Feathers can't stand against you. Feathers blow in the wind. And you are the wind, my friend. Think about it. The enemy, he's rising up and he's, he's giving this big show of force, but it is empty. It's hollow. And if you and I, if the people of God back down in this hour because we're afraid of what the enemy is doing, we're asking Jesus to come rescue us out of this, we're missing it entirely. We need to look at what the enemy is doing and say, wow, we have got our finger in the right space. We have our finger on the right spot. We need to keep applying pressure because the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Do you know what this means? When the church, when the people of God, when you and I are moving forward in our destinies, surrendered to the will of God and partnering with him, nothing on earth or in heaven can stand against that. The gates of hell become like the feathers of a peacock. They bow to the people of God moving forward. Darkness is pushing back right now to intimidate the powerful praying people of God. And I believe that God allows this in this moment to purify his bride. I believe he's allowing this so that we can understand who we are. So we can rise up into our greatness, which is his greatness at work in us. You know, we're seeing these natural disasters happening too. the hurricanes, the wildfires, the, you know, lots of natural disasters, the flooding on the East Coast. And I just want to put my two cents in on this as well. You know, the earth is designed to respond to the children of God. The earth is designed to respond and submit to the children of God who are in obedience to their God. Does this make sense? That means that when the earth is out of sync with itself, when the earth is doing something destructive, that's an indicator that the people of God are not quite in sync like they should be. In Oklahoma, as you guys know, we, we have experienced an unbelievable amount of tornadoes. We are Tornado Alley, and in my particular part of town, the, the few miles of my little suburb, um, it's been completely wiped out twice in 1999 and in 2013, completely wiped out by mile-wide F5 tornadoes. 60-plus people died in one. Dozens and dozens of people died in the other one. They're very destructive. And a couple pastors and I got together and, and really uh, joined our hearts and said, look, we're not allowing this to happen here anymore. And we haven't seen a single tornado touch down uh, in our area while there was a little bit of a small one that destroyed a couple roofs of a hotel, like a microburst. But we've not seen a destructive tornado happen since 2013. Do you know why? Because the people of God rose up and said, not in my land, not in my land, we will repent for the things that have been done here, we will cleanse the land of the things that have been done on it. We will, we will stand in obedience to the Lord and the earth will submit to the children of God. And it has. 
It has. What will it look like for the people of California to stand up and not allow the earth to burn any longer? What will it look like for the people of the Gulf Coast to stand up and not allow it to be ravaged any longer by, by hurricanes? Look, I'm not saying that this is easy. I'm, I'm not saying that. I know this is very difficult. But what I'm saying is this is how the earth is designed to be. Isaiah 55 actually points to this, talking about uh, the word of the Lord going forward, right? That the word of the Lord will not return void. And what that's talking about is when it is in line with the purpose and the desire of God, when the people of God focused on his purpose and his desire go out to fulfill that word, the earth actually bows to that word. Look it up, Isaiah 55. It says that they, the, the mountains actually move out of the way, essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, and the trees basically clap for the people of God who are walking in that anointing, in the purpose, in the desire, in the way that God wants to fulfill something. So that's my challenge to you. What would it look like for you and I to rise up in this hour? What would it look like for you and I to, to, to really allow God to shake what he's shaking so that we are strengthened in the process? What I'm saying to you through all these different sort of threads that we're, we're weaving right now is that there's not one agenda happening. Or if we want to oversimplify, I would say, well, God is exposing and he's building his bride. But he's doing that through a couple of different things, right? So the, the natural disasters are its own separate category from what's happening politically. The political situation is its own separate category than what's happening in the body of Christ. And so what we have to do is not clump them all together and say, well, this is it. This is the end. I'm getting out of here, Jesus. Rapture me, baby. I can't wait. Look, you and I do not need to escape this world. We need to reform it. You and I do not need to be tapping out and going to heaven early. We need to get our combat boots on and get to work redeeming and reforming this place that was given to humanity. It was given to you and I. If you don't know what I'm talking about, read Genesis 1. So what in the world is happening today? A lot. And what does it have to do with you? Everything everything. Look, my, my biggest challenge, my, my call to you, my, I would implore you, get before the Lord and get clear on what you are called to do right now. For a lot of you, that might look like parenting your children that are in your home. Do that with authority do it with passion. Do it with the spirit of understanding. Teach your kids how to be in this world, but not of this world. Maybe for some of you guys that are in, in healthcare systems or business systems or even politicians, what can you do? You can go to work reforming in the name of Jesus. God is shaking everything that can be shaken right now. And what he wants is not for that shaking to become unsettling to you, but for it to be something that helps you find your anchor in him. So this is my prayer for you. Don't be intimidated by what the enemy is doing. Do not partner with fear in this hour. Partner with hope. Partner with perseverance. Partner with joy. Partner with Jesus because he didn't come into this mess just to ransom and rapture you out of it. He came into it to redeem it and he wants to redeem it through you. Until next time, be blessed.
So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wartman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.